to Psalm 139. And we'll read just for a moment. Psalm 139. And we'll read from uh, verses 1 to 12 tonight. And we're focusing particularly on 7 to 12. The first uh, six verses in in this passage, David speaks about the fact that God is uh, all-knowing. Omniscient is that term. And uh, then the next six verses, uh, David worships God for the fact that he's always present. So uh, let me read this to you and let's read Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. O Lord, you hem me in, behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. And then David starts to talk now about the ever-present nature of God. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Let's pray together. God, as we gather tonight, as we come into your house and sing songs of praise and worship and affirm who you are, God, as we read David's words in Psalm. Our hearts are just caught up in praise and worship of you. For God, you are familiar with all our ways. You know us completely. You, God, know our comings and our goings. You know our thoughts, our our words before they even come out of our mouths. And God, we would just say like David, Oh, God, your knowledge of us is just too wonderful. We just want to praise you and worship you and thank you for that, God. And tonight as we think about the fact that you're present, God, we just thank you that you're with us right now. God, we just love being together in your presence. We love knowing that You're with us here right now. God, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for being with us. And God, as we continue to worship you tonight, 
We ask that you would help us to understand the significance of the fact that you're with us and help us to live our lives aware of your presence in everything that we do. God, for those who aren't with us tonight, for those who have been down at Soul Survivor or those that are still on holidays, we just ask that you would be strengthening them and being with them right now. God, for those that are going through sickness and suffering, and people that are finding it very hard to just face each day, Lord, would your presence just be strengthening them and giving them your peace and comfort at this time. And God, for those who feel afraid and not wanting to step out when they know you're calling them to make big decisions, God, would you empower them with your presence tonight? God, speak to us. We're your people. And we just pray tonight as we open your word, as we continue to worship you now, that you would speak to us, that we would be so aware of your presence here in this place tonight and that we would worship you knowing you're here. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Kurt and the team, for leading us. There's a human skull under the bridge. I'm I'm not lying to you, he said. I'll show you. I'll show you. It was words that when I heard them, I was filled with fear, you know, picturing this human skull that I was about to see. I was in grade four and uh, I was walking home Uh, with a bunch of my friends and uh, this guy in grade five uh, said, there's a human skull uh, under the bridge. I'll show it to you. Now, uh, I wanted to show everyone that I wasn't afraid. And all my other friends were much smarter than me, so they said, no, we're going home. See you later. We'll leave you. And I said, okay, I'll come and see you. And so I followed this grade fiver down under the, the road and down into the, look under the bridge. And the bridge was kind of like, you can imagine a a steel bridge, like someone's just come with a big drill and pulled four holes, drilled four holes right into the concrete. So there's four tunnels going right under this bridge. And I remember following him down and uh, looking into the first of the tunnels. I remember it being echoey and dark and water in the tunnel. And as I looked up into the first one, uh, all of a sudden, as I was looking up, I heard, ah! And I, my heart just sort of jumped out. And it was the, the guy from grade five right behind me. And he said, you're scared, aren't you? And I said, no, I'm not. You know, I was lying through my teeth. I was panicking at this stage. And I went up to the next one and looked right up into the next tunnel. There's nothing there. And we got to tunnel three. And as I looked up, I started to get all shaky and... So kind of like, you know, when you can hardly walk because looking up that tunnel about halfway along was what just was clear as could be a human skull. And I started to, to walk. And you know how you kind of have to sometimes feel like doing that? And I knew he was there right behind me as I walked right up. And as we got closer and closer, I looked and suddenly realised that what I was looking at was a rusty old tin can. So all of a sudden the blood came back and I was fine and I looked around 
And there, sort of standing over me, was this grade fiver. And he, he looked at me and he said, you're a wimp, mate. And I, I, all of a sudden, the fear started coming back again. He grabbed me by the shirt and he said, give me whatever money you've got. Have you got any money? And I said, no, I haven't got any money. And he said, right, empty your pockets. And I did have 40 cents. I wished I'd given him the 40 cents first of all. But I pulled it out and he said, grab the 40 cents off me. And he looked at me and he said, you lied to me, mate. And going through my little grade four mind, I was thinking, well, you just lied to me about getting me down here and now you're picking on me. But I didn't even, couldn't express that to him. But I just said, right. He said, now, look, I'm going to go and get my brothers and they're going to come back and they're just going to beat your head in. And he said, and if you run, you're going to die. You're going to die. So I sat there in the middle of this tunnel, just standing there, right next to what I thought just a few minutes ago was a human head, but now it's a rusty old tin can. I'd just been picked on by this grade fiver, and I was standing in the midst of this tunnel, not knowing whether to run and be dead or wait and get beaten up. And while I was sitting in there trying to think of what I could do next, you know what came into my mind? I thought about my big brother, who's grade six. And my brother was much huger than this grade five guy. And if my brother knew what was going on, he could just like smash this grade five of the smithereens and the brothers. I reckon if he got the big brothers too, my brother would have come. And I was sitting there in the midst of that tunnel, just sitting there thinking, my brother is good. But where is he when you need him? You know, I was just thinking, if only he would come by and help me at this time. If only he could come. What, what good is a big brother when he's not there when you need him? And I wonder tonight, have you ever had that kind of experience? I mean, you, you know there's someone who you just love being with because when you're with them, you don't feel so alone. And you might say, they're great when they're around, but they're not always around. Or maybe you might think, oh, you know, I love being there at home with my parents or with my friends, but when they're all out at night and I'm by myself, I just kind of feel all afraid. Or perhaps sometimes when you've got a really big thing going on in your life and someone always gives you confidence and help when they're with you, but they're not there. Did you ever wish that the people that can help you the most could just be with you right when you need them? I wonder tonight, just taking it a bit further, is, is, is God someone who is there when you need him most? I mean, is he someone who's different to my big brother? Is he someone who's different to the kind of people that you might turn to in your greatest need? Is he someone who we can count on all the time? I think David asks this question. Is God someone who's always there when you need him? As he's writing this psalm, Psalm 139, and in verse 7 he asks, is there any way where we can escape from God's character? Is there any way we can, um, we can move away from his, his character? There we go. There we are. Because he, he writes in this way. He says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? And the answer is, there's nowhere. 
There's nowhere I can go to get away from your presence. David makes this clear as a bell when he continues on. He says, if I go up to the heavens, you are there, right up into the heavens. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. Then he says, if I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the night become uh, and the light become night around me, even there the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Look what David says. I want you to notice this in verse 8. He says, if I go up to the heavens, he says, you are there. Look at that, you are there. Can you see that? If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. The phrase is repeated kind of twice in a row. And if you look in the Hebrew, where this was written originally, in Hebrew, the text phrase, you are there, actually reads, thou, thou. That's just what it reads. So in other words, if I go right up to as high as I can, right up to the heavens, right as far as I can possibly go, thou, you are there. And if I go down right to the depths of the grave, if I go right down as far as I can go into the deepest, deepest dark sea, thou, you are there. And the next verse says, if I rise on the wings of of the dawn. I wonder what that means. David, what, do you, what, what was he trying to say when he says, if I rise on the wings of the dawn? And I've got, you know, kind of as the PowerPoint background, you know, like kind of what I imagine might have been in David's mind as he was thinking about rising on the wings of the dawn. And you know how when the dawn breaks and light just beams out and thinking, hey, if I was to rise on the wings of the dawn, maybe that's what he had in mind. Uh, We could also say it like this, you know, when the light breaks forth in the morning or if, if I travel at the speed of light, think of that. If we were to travel by the speed of light, we would make the moon in just two seconds, travelling with the speed of light. And when we got to the moon, thou, you were there. And if we continued travelling at the speed of light for four years, that's when we'd reach the first star. Four years of travelling at the speed of light. And again, right out there, thou. God's presence would be there. Uh, Omnipresence is the word that kind of explains the fact that God is always present. It simply means this. There is no place where God is not. This part of God's character that David is describing is there is no place where God is not. I was watching uh, Hawthorne uh, play a few seasons back. Right now, did you notice Hawthorne? Uh, I haven't watched all the games today, but last night they were on top of the ladder. They're still on top of the ladder, Hawthorne? <laughs> no one knows? Yeah, you don't care? All right, it's all right. 
I was, uh, I was watching Hawthorne a few, few years ago, and what happened it was something quite usual. Crawford, Shane Crawford, got the ball. And he grabbed the ball, and he kicked, kicked it right upfield. And it went right up in the air, and a pack gathered on, on the other side, grabbed the ball, and around the pack, uh, all players were all gathering around. And out of the pack, who should emerge with the ball but Shane Crawford? And the commentators are going, Crawford, he's amazing. He's all over the ground. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. I've got to give you a tip. When the commentators say Shane Crawford is everywhere, they're exaggerating. Like if you went to the toilet at halftime at the MCG, you wouldn't stand next to Shane Crawford. If you were leaving the ground and you took a careful look at the, you know, um, car park people as you leave, not one of them would be Shane Crawford. Um, You know, the truth is that when commentators say Shane Crawford is everywhere, they're exaggerating. But you know what? When David says God is everywhere, he's not exaggerating. He really is everywhere. Um, The fact that God is everywhere is something that we kind of find hard to accept, to understand. And I kind of thought, I wonder why we find the fact that God's present everywhere so hard to come to terms with. And you know what I think it is? We just don't have any examples, do we? I mean, think of this. Even Superman cannot be in two places at one time. Even our superheroes can't have this. So we don't have any example that we can kind of come to terms with. Um, We're finite creatures with a body, so we find it hard to understand how anything can be in two places at once. Have you ever noticed how hard it is to be in two places at once? Have you ever tried to be in two places at once? We do. We try and go so quick, don't we? It's as though we think we can do be in two places at once. But just like Shane Crawford, we can't be in the same place. But the truth is, there's no problem with God because God is spirit. And so he can be in many places at once, all at the same time. The omnipresence of God simply means that God is everywhere. God is everywhere. He's here. He's there. He's everywhere. And kind of it means there's no place where God ain't. There's no place where he is not. He's not limited by space. He's not limited by place. God is everywhere. So that doesn't mean that God is everything. Like, and God is everywhere, so he's this pulpit. No, no, that's pantheism. That's saying God is everything. Completely different. Uh, this is... a is a pulpit, that is a table, they are not God. But God's presence is everywhere. There's a big difference. And so when you look at it, uh, the, the, the fact is that God is everywhere. And if he is everywhere, I need to recognise it, don't you think? I need to acknowledge it in my life. I need to be aware of it. Do you know... Right now, this room is filled with radio and television 
frequencies. Did you know that? You probably didn't even know it. You probably haven't thought about it while you've been here. But if, if we had a, a radio here or a television, we could receive the waves that are going through the air now and it would enable us to receive so we can listen to the radio and we can watch the television. You don't see them, but they're right here. They're here. And if we were able to tune our radios in and our TVs, we could pick up those radio waves and we would all benefit from them. It's doubtful how much we benefit from them on Sunday night TV, but we could pick them up. But the truth, likewise, God is here. God is here right now. And if we're willing to tune in, just like the radio waves, then you and I can benefit from God's presence in our lives. We can benefit from the fact that he's here. It will benefit your life to tune in and to be aware. But my natural reaction is, well, okay, theologically I can understand that God is everywhere, but so what? You know, what difference does that make in my life? And I just want to share now just three simple ways that tuning into God's presence, being aware of the fact that God is omnipresent, can make a difference in your life and in my life. Okay, so the first way in which God, uh, knowing, uh, tuning into God's presence, his omnipresence, can make a difference, is that when I'm lonely, God is with me. When I'm lonely, God is with me. David, who wrote Psalm 139, wrote this verse too in Psalm 25 and verse 16. He said, Turn to me and be gracious to me, God, for I am lonely. Uh, he's crying out to God, saying, In the midst of my loneliness, God, would you, would you be gracious to me? Uh, some of you tonight are lonely. The truth is that many of us have times throughout our lives when we are incredibly lonely. Some of you may have come to study here in Albury Wodonga and you've left your family and perhaps you just went back for Easter and now you're back again and you know you're away from your family and your loved ones. Maybe some have come from work and you, uh, you've moved to the area and you feel lonely. Maybe some of you are, have, have faced uh, loss and, and grief and in the midst of that there's an intense loneliness that comes in. You know, there are real, um, we're living in an interesting time in our world where there are more people than ever before and yet there are more and more lonely people living in this world. And there are many different kinds of loneliness. There's a loneliness of, of death, of a spouse, of a loved one, which is just a, a deep longing of missing someone. There's a loneliness of, you know, going away on business or on a trip and you're away from your family. There's a loneliness of starting at a new school or at a new uni or, or a new place where you feel like you don't have any friends. Or, or there's a loneliness just that comes through growing old and feeling like, you know, I'm losing people that I was close to. I'm limited in how I can catch up and be as active as I once was. There's a loneliness of feeling that you're not listened to anymore or you're not understood by people who you once felt very close to. The Bible says that the first thing God did when he made the world and he created it, God looked and he said, it's not good for man to be alone. 
And God doesn't want us to be alone. But it's something that everybody faces at some time in their lives. So what do you do when you have moments of loneliness? When you have moments of feeling terribly alone? Is there anything that we can do about it? Well, I want to suggest that tonight you, you recognise God's presence in those times. God is your companion. He's your friend. And he's right with you in the times of your deepest times of loneliness. He, he's right there. This is what the writer of Hebrews wrote. He said, God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. The truth is that no matter how lonely you are, God can be your constant companion. Jesus said, you are my friends if you do what I command. You are my friends. And he, he, he says, uh, you know, that he's a friend who knows you. He knows more about you than you know about you. He knows the number of hairs that are on your head. He, he knows, he knew you before you were born. He knows you. And, you know, there's that old song I used to work at AMP and they used to have this, you'll never walk alone, you know, and you'll never walk alone. It's true. You'll never walk alone. Although you might feel lonely, God is always there and he wants to be your friend. And in the midst of that time of loneliness, recognise God's presence. I remember when my sister Catherine got married. Uh, on that day, um, we were just two boys in our family and one girl. And when she was married, uh, it was a big deal for my mum. You know, the, the girl in, in the family is now married. And I remember in the middle of the night, that night when she got married, I just went, went to the toilet. And I remember walking past my sister's room and there the lights turned off, everything dark. And I looked in and sitting on my sister's bed was my mum just crying. And I remember thinking, thou, God is there, even in the midst of those lonely times. I remember my grandfather, at 88 years of age, his wife died. And uh, I remember my grandfather, who'd been like a mentor to me and really helped me, you know, learn how to be strong. And he taught me all about God. We'd, we'd read the Bible together. And I remember him just being so completely lonely after his wife had died. And I just remember, though, in the midst of that, thinking, Thou, God is with him, even through that tough time. I don't know what you're facing in terms of loneliness tonight. But would you know God is with you right through it? He's there, he understands, and he wants to come around you and let you know that he will never leave you or forsake you, that he's right there. Whenever you feel lonely, God is with you. David got lonely sometimes, and in Psalm 16 and verse 1, he wrote, your presence fills me with joy. I think that's one of the benefits. In the midst of our loneliness, knowing God is with us, gives us joy and a sense of God is with me right through this time. The second thing I just want to share with you tonight is that 
not only when I'm lonely, uh, God's with me, but the second thing about God's uh, presence is that when I'm tempted, God's right there to help me find a way out. The fact that he's everywhere means that he's right with me whenever I'm tempted to help me find a way out. Have a look at this verse here. It says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Isn't that an encouraging verse? God is with you and he provides a way out. And he says, no matter what temptation you face, I'm going to find, help you find a way out. Almost like a counsellor who will guide you to a way out whenever you're facing temptation. Look at the verse. It says, uh, there's several things about this verse which are really great. And I think the first, it says, the temptation is common. It's good to know, isn't it? Because many of us feel tempted and it says here they are common to man. So we all have the same problems. We all have many similar temptations. And people think that you're the, that you're the only one being tempted. But here it's saying, no, you know, people, they're, they're com- temptation is common to man. There are some common temptations that everybody feels. And you're not alone. We all have the same problems, but there are some, um, when it means there's some common problems and temptations, there's also some common solutions and some common ways that we can find that. And the common ways are God's word. He has solutions for whatever way you're being tempted and his word helps you out. And, And then it says, God is with me when I'm being tempted, that God's with me and he'll provide a way out right there when I'm being tempted. Uh, and when God's with me and his presence is with me when I'm being tempted, that's a motivation for me to not give in to temptation, don't you think? When I realise that God is watching me, that increases my motivation level not to give in to temptation. I mean, have you ever been down to... Um, somewhere like the commercial club and you're kind of going over or to an all-you-can-eat sort of place and you go and you see like ice cream and it's just all there and there's no limit, you know. And if you get and you get your bowl and you just start to go and then somebody else comes along and you say, oh, sorry, you know, and you, you kind of don't have as much when someone's watching, you know. Or if you're at a party and everyone's gathering around the table and you start to eat and you think, if someone's watching me, I'm not going to have as much uh, because... When people are watching us, it's a motivation not to, uh, to get too carried away. And it's exactly the same with God. The fact that he's watching us means that we're careful about what we do. He knows what I'm facing. And it's like everything that I do in the midst of temptation, I'm doing right before the throne of God. But when I'm tempted, God is my counsellor. He advises me. He knows what I need to do. He's already providing an escape route and a way out. So that means no matter what I face next week at home, at work, at church, at school, no matter where I go, God is there. No matter what temptation I face, God is watching. 
and he's providing strength for a way out to make it, um, to escape it. Uh, In Job 13 and verse 27, uh, it says, You, God, keep a close watch on all my paths. Uh, Have a look at that word there. Keep a close watch. Not just a watch. God is keeping a close watch on your life. So in the midst of temptation, just be aware. He sees everything. He sees it. He's at the office. He's at school. He's at home. He's at work. He's in the conversations that we have with our kids, with our neighbours, with everybody. So remember that. You know, there's um, sometimes my pa used to say to me, he, he used to say, what the eye doesn't see, the heart doesn't feel. Well, you know what we could have said? What the eye doesn't see, God's eye sees, you know. There's nothing that is hidden from God. There was an old song saying, you know, we don't see what goes on behind closed doors. But there is no closed door when it comes to God. Psalm 139 verse 11 says, If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. You know, God has night vision. You know, you see on those shows where there's, you know, you can see at night with the police vision stuff. Well, God has night vision. He can see at night. You know, God actually created the night and he created the day. And and a lot of darkness, a lot of temptation seems to go on at night. People at night feel like no one can see and, um, you know, people love the darkness because their deeds are evil, the Bible says. But, you know, the truth is night, day to God, it's all the same. He sees it all. He can see through the darkness. Um, it's, so much, it's so much easier to have self-control knowing that God's with you and he's watching you. So just remember next time when you're being tempted, God is watching and that should help. I mean, uh, you know, I just want to, you know, when you're trying to do it, tempted to cheat and the teacher's standing right over the desk, you don't cheat. And how many uh, young people um, are less affectionate when your parents are around, yeah, with your boyfriend or girlfriend. It's true. Just being in the presence of others really keeps us on track and that's good. So I wonder right now, are there things that's just coming to your mind as we talk about this second thing? You know, that first of all, you know, God's presence is helpful when I'm lonely. He wants to be there. But when I'm tempted... He's not only there with me, he sees what's going on, but he provides a way out. In the struggles that you have right now, why don't you just think about those and acknowledge the fact that he is with you in that, to help and to observe. And ask him to show you that way out. Ask him to show you how you can overcome that temptation. And don't keep doing things in front of God. He knows it all. He sees it all. The final thing tonight. So 
because God is always present and there's no place where God isn't, that can have a huge benefit in my life because when I'm afraid, God's presence gives me courage. Um, Isaiah 43 and verse 2 says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. You know, when you're going through deep waters of trouble, I'll be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you, the flames will not set you ablaze. That reminds me of um, the Hebrew, the three Hebrew children, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, and um, well, some people say, uh, shake the bed, make the bed, and off to bed we go. Or your shack, my shack, and a bungalow. But that's enough silly talk, isn't it? Uh, but anyway, you know those three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And you remember what happened to them? He got thrown in the fiery furnace. And they were in the midst of the fire. And while they were in there, God was with them. Instead of seeing the three, there were four in there. And not a hair on their heads was burnt. The ropes that were binding them burnt off, but God was with them. And some of you are going through fire right now. Some of you are going through really uh, tough times where you're tempted to really be afraid and, and, and give in. And none of us can know the problems that we're facing and the things that we're going through. But one thing is certain, that God is with you in the midst of the trouble and things that you're tempted to fear. God is right with you in there. And do you know what? When I'm afraid, God's presence gives me courage. And God wants to give you courage for the things that you're afraid of that you're facing right at the moment. Um, one of the things Mandy and I love to do most is, is go out for dinner together. It's a real treat to go out for dinner, especially at night. And one of the favourite things we, we did when we're down in Melbourne more often is, is going into Ligon Street and uh, just walking along, finding a restaurant and uh, eating together. And one of the things, I don't know if you're ever out at night in the city, one of the things you've got to be very careful of doing is not um, causing any problems, you know, any fights or anything. So Mandy and I, I'm a pastor, I want to, don't want to cause any problems, so Mandy and I will be walking along Ligon Street and you know, if I'm looking ahead and someone looks back at us like this, you know, for me, I don't do the kind of stare you out sort of thing. So I just kind of look down and we keep walking along. And if they start to stare me out, or you know how some people come along and do that kind of thing in the city, you can have these kind of things happen. Well, if that kind of happens, you know, uh, what usually I feel when someone might be staring or coming to push me is Mandy will sort of grab onto my back because she knows I'm going to run, you know. <laughs> so... Uh, she knows I'm not someone to stick around when there's a fight or anything happening. So heads down, we sort of got our rules, and Mandy grabs onto me if someone comes. Now, you know, you know how I told you at the start of the message about my brother, yeah? You remember I told you about my brother? Well, he's grown up. Here's his family. We were just down in Melbourne yesterday, actually, and this is a photo we took. Mandy's turning 40 very soon. And am I allowed to say that publicly, honey? Uh, <laughs> Uh, but anyway, he's my brother and he's grown up and, uh, you know, you can't see there, but he's quite a solid sort of guy now, pardon? He's a tough 
He's a toughie. That's right, Lisa. Lisa can pick a toughie when she sees one. But you know what my brother does now for a living? He's a, a federal policeman and his role is VIP protection. So his, his work is to protect very important people. So what they do is they give him a car, a bulletproof car, and uh, he drives around people that if people shoot bullets into the car, you know, they're just not going to get them because it's completely bulletproof. They give him a gun and the guns are registered with the police and they're limited in their issue because uh, the gun's called a Glock and the Glock is a gun where the bullets, actually when they hit their target, the bullets explode. And so just really maximum damage. Now, um, some of the people that my brother... Uh, looks after. This, this week he's been looking after Kevin Rudd, protecting him, and now Julia Gillard, over the next three weeks, my brother's going to be protecting he, her and, and leading the sort of team that's looking after him. But here's just some, I've got some snaps from him. Um, he's, this is my brother there in the middle, handsome looking guy, isn't he? And so that's in there. And here's Alexander Downer when he was the foreign affairs minister, wasn't he? Is that right? Yeah. Anyone know who that person is? Tony Blair, so my brother, Tony Blair, they're mates, you know. Just in case you think I'm, I'm joking, here's my brother with his wife, Cherie, Cherie Blair. Look at that, hey? Uh, so some of the things my brother does is he has to be in crowds and look around, and here's an action shot of my brother who's VIP protection. There he is there. Look at him looking up there to see is there a bomb or a terrorist or something. <laughs> And Jeanette Howard, John Howard, Tony Blair, and Cherie uh, Blair as well. Here's some other shots. Look at him there, on, looking at the crowd, checking him out. And there's a couple of people, a few people there. And here he is right in the group there as well. See him uh, looking as well, just seeing and there's Tony Blair and some of the others there looking around. Now, I've got to tell you, when I'm with Mandy on Ligon Street, I'm walking along, and my brother's with us, and someone looks at me funny. Oh, I don't wait. I stick out my chest. I say, come on, I have you. Come on. You want to mess with me? My brother's here. Because <laughs> my brother, I don't fear anybody when my brother's around. <laughs> like, I would take on anyone. Hey, you know what? I wish through some of the times in my life where I had been most afraid in the past, that I realised that God was with me, stronger than any VIP protection guy. In fact, you know, the God who made the heavens and earth was with me through the hardest times when all I could do was be afraid and feared. And often the last things I ever did was cry out to God for help. Often I would just worry and panic and not do things and chicken out because I'd forgot that God's presence was right with me. And I should have courage because he was with me. I didn't have to be afraid. God would help me. And I don't know about you, but maybe there are things that are, uh, are causing you to be afraid now. Maybe, maybe God is kind of calling you to do some things and they're not things you feel comfortable with. And you're saying, I might fail. I might really make a big blunder and people will think I was silly for even trying. Yet, 
I know it's God. And maybe it's time for you to stick your chest out and sort of spit and say, I'm going to do this because God is with me. His presence is with me. Uh, I think there's times where I wish I'd said that to Satan. You know, Satan, you're just trying to make me afraid. And I've got God with me. And I don't need to fear you because what God's calling me to do is very, very good. I don't, I'm not going to fear you. You know, um, I think this is what David kind of said when he said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. I think it's probably what Paul was saying in Philippians 4.13 when he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know what I think Satan loves to do most? Is just make you think you can't, you won't, you shouldn't, you're not good enough, you shouldn't be doing that. You know what I think? God just wants to breathe his presence into your life and say you can, you should, why not? You can do it. I think one of Satan's biggest lies is to sort of say you can't. I think it's time we stuck our chest out and said we've had enough. Church, I don't know about you. Maybe you've grown up in a home where your parents just said, don't be an idiot. Don't do that. Oh, if you do that, people think you're crazy. And you've just kind of been a people pleaser all your life and perhaps you know God saying, I want you to do something and I don't want you to care about what people say. Maybe it's your dad saying, don't ever go to this job. It doesn't pay well, but you know that God's saying, I want you to do it. Maybe it's kind of making a stand in a relationship because you trust in Jesus and you're afraid because people might think you're silly. Maybe it's just telling people about the incredible thing that Jesus has done in your life and you think, I could never do it. Maybe you're afraid of death itself and as David says, even in that, God's presence can strengthen you. I want to tune in tonight to God's presence in the midst of loneliness, in the midst of the the sense of being, you know, the, the, the sense of thinking when I'm tempted, I need him to help me get out. Or in the midst of just having the courage you need to do the very, very good thing that he's calling you to do. Want to tune in? I just want to tell you that tonight it's just simple. It's just kind of some things you could do. If you've never invited Jesus into your life. That's the first start to tuning into his presence because God wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit, with his presence. You know, Paul said, don't get drunk on wine. Don't get drunk on spirits. <laughs> Be filled with the Holy Spirit. He wants his presence to flood your life and that begins with a relationship with Jesus. That's how you do it. If you've never committed your life to him, tonight's the night. God might be saying, I want to 
I want you to be mine. I want to be your Lord. I want to forgive you of your sin. I want to come into your life and be your Lord and your Saviour. I don't want you to be filled with all the other stuff you've been filling your life with. Let me be the leader. That's the starting point. Ask Jesus into your life. The second thing, if you already are a Christian, just be quiet. Be quiet, you know. Sometimes we just rush around, don't we, so much, and we go from one thing to another that we never kind of do what, what God says in Psalm 146. Be still and know that I am God. Just slow down and say, God, I recognise your presence. Thank you that you're here in my life. I want to respond to you. I want to know you. Tune into his presence. Take time during the day to be quiet and be still. To say, thank you, you're here, God. Thank you that you're with me. I think the third thing, you know, first invite Jesus into your life. Be quiet, be still. And the third thing is to talk to, to God about everything. I mean, wherever you are, just talk to him. Say, God, you know, I'm feeling tempted here. Uh, would you help me find a way out? God, I'm feeling a little bit lonely here. I need, God, I need your courage and strength now because... No, I'm not going to be able to do this without you. God, thank you for this day. God, thank you for all the things that you've done in my life. Thank you for this person I'm about to meet. You created them. You made them. You know, be aware of his presence by praying to him about everything, just talking to him all the time. Psalm 62 verse 9 says, Trust him at all times and pour out your heart to him. And the final thing I think is just maintain a habit of praise. Just Psalm 100 and verse 4 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Just be someone who's constantly thanking God for everything that happens in your life. And I think you'll recognise that God is there and you'll be tuning in the fact that God's omnipresent and he's available to you. I stood there right in the middle of the tunnel and didn't know what to do. I was thinking, if I run, I die. If I stay, I get bashed up. And after about 20 minutes, I decided I would just run like crazy. I shut my eyes and I ran and I ran and I ran and I got home to the safety of home. The guy never picked on me ever again. And I just stayed clear of him in the classroom. Never got beat up. But boy, it was good to be home again and feel safe. And uh, you know what? Uh, as I've grown up, I've started, I've put my trust in Jesus and know that although my brother can't be there all the time for me. So if you pick on me tonight, he's not around, you're really safe. But I've got someone who's with me all the time that gives me courage for the things that he's calling me to do in his life. Why don't we pray now and uh, you might want to just respond to God tonight as we pray. Let's pray together. God, thank you. Thank you for your presence, God. Thank you for truth that we've learnt tonight that you're right here in this place 
and that there's no place where you're not. God, tonight, some want to tune in to you for the very first time. It could be tonight that you're wanting to put your trust and faith in God. You want to trust in Jesus Christ and, and his death on the cross. And if that's you, why don't you just in these times say, God, I recognise your presence here. Please forgive me. Please come into my life. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I may know your presence every day. You might want to just pray that for the first time tonight, asking Jesus into your life. Just do that right now, just in the quietness of this moment. Some of you have been feeling lonely and it might be just in these moments you just want to say, God, thank you that you're with me. And it could be tonight that you know there have been things that God's been calling you to do but you've just been too afraid and you might just want to acknowledge that in these moments and just let him know that you want to trust him and his presence. And God, as we go this week, thank you that we're not alone. God, we thank you that whatever we face, you're watching us and you give a way out. And thank you, God, that we can do more than we could ever hope or imagine, trusting in you and your presence to give us courage. God, just pray for a church that is full of courage, full of boldness, full of faith, because we trust you first and we step out trusting in you. And so, God, as we go, we're yours. We trust you completely. Thank you for your presence in Jesus' name. Amen.